board, record. Oh my days. Okay, it's recording anyway, both sides of the, the Zoom call. So if you want to do the garage band recording, you can, but you, there, there's, there's not really much point because it's all just coming through my speaker anyway. So let's just go with a lo fi approach. Um, yeah. I don't know why it's not working. It's a bit weird. Um, anyway, uh, um, I made those notes. So. Oh, yeah, in the, in the Notion, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so, I added a couple of links, but I read and I started reading that article you'd sent to me, which is, I think I'd seen you share before, or someone had. I have. I shared it in uh, Discoveries this morning because what I thought was really interesting about it was so if I, um, oh, I popped it in the WhatsApp. So give me a second, I'll go to a WhatsApp. Hmm. Your mouse is really loud. What are you? What are you? Uh, what are you mousing on? It sounds like a piece of sounds like a piece of concrete. <laughs> this, this table. Um, so classic. I know. If I share this, right? What What I found bizarre about this share screen? Oh, you have to let me share my screen. Oh darn it! Uh, we need like a pre-flight checklist. Share screen. <laughs> I'm gonna say pre-flight. Okay, pre-flight. No, because the problem is we missed last week, so I've forgotten everything that we do. Sharing. That's what's happened. Uh, mics working. Uh, we call that thing garage bands. Right, I'll, I'll add that to every week, so then we can do the episode. We do that first, right? What I thought was interesting about that article yeah was so you can see this here reflecting on my failure to build a billion dollar company okay? yes so he talks all about how he got the money actually it's quite late in the article you find out that he was quite young at the time he was less than 19 yeah it's yeah I, I got unbelievable like, i got that far yeah when he starts talking you're like okay this is like a guy in his 30s or whatever yeah in yeah. the v, and then you're like whoa he was 19 <laughs> i also what was interesting too was you know he Somewhere down here, he says that he left when he thought that Gumroad was going to go places. He left um, Pinterest. He left Pinterest as being the second employee, and so well, he didn't wait to vest his shares. And I thought, what? You know, I know, mate. Uh, like, so this is the guy who basically founded Gumtree, uh, Gumroad. Gumroad, Gumroad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is the service that lets you sell like eBooks and stuff. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say, at the beginning it was mostly digital products, and now it's also recurring subscriptions. And you know they've done some really interesting things. But what oh, was yeah. interesting to me was that sort of like an early Patreon sort of thing, Patreon or whatever the heck it's called. A little bit like that, actually. Yeah, and but like that, early, right? early. But but if you look at this graph, right, failing in style. Yeah, I mean this is the monthly process volume. So at the end in 2015. They were selling $2 million worth of stuff a month, right? And to, to you and me, that would be a successful business. That's but insane. when you read this, it was like they weren't doubling down fast enough to raise yeah, the... because they were the VC funded. And, and the whole VC funding thing, after having read this article this morning, it's not like we didn't know about this already, but you think this is the problem with Silicon Valley. Yeah. You know, here is a company that is... I mean, by no stretch of the imagination, a small company. I mean, it's turning over two million in sales. Now, that's not two million in profit. You know, no, if you, that, sure. that, that's got some of that's got to go out. Some of that will be kept, and then you'll use it to pay some people. Um, but it just when I read it, I just thought, this is insane. I mean, this this company is is failing because it cannot grow even faster. Yeah. But yeah. when you look at that chart going up like that, that, you know, if that was one of our students, for example, we would be like, great work. Yeah. You know? 
And then later on in the article, he then sort of the, the company, the number of people working for the company goes down and he ends up on his own. And it becomes kind of like a mom and pop operation, which, you know, if you're looking at this, like if your revenue is 89 grand a month, I mean, the net profit is obviously very, very low because they're paying a lot of staff, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, one year later, you know, it's, I mean, this is this thing, a lifestyle business, right? Um, people, whoa, is that your dog? Yeah, it's because, Monty. So, yeah, it's Monty. It's because Samantha's gone out, so he's like going mad at the door. But there we go. Listeners, that is Monty you can hear in the background. That's Adam's dog, um, <laughs> which he, he walks every day and sometimes phones me while being um, walking. <laughs> what I think was interesting was then it becomes a lifestyle business. You know, and I, I've been in those meetings where we go around. Like we had a thing called Mentor Madness on Propel, where you would go around the room and meet lots and lots of entrepreneurs and they would give you advice and it would be 15 minutes and then you go to the next one. Uh, and it was really quick. And the last, second last person I met was a VC guy. And he was like, yeah, this looks like a good kind of like lifestyle business, but it's definitely not for us. And it was the way they say lifestyle business quite disparaging. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah you're not bringing in, you know, in this case, you're not, you're not bringing in, I don't know what they needed to bring in to get the next $15 million. Of, for like Series B funding or whatever, who knows? Yeah. They're just, and, it's and just that, ridiculous. That kind of thing I think is really frustrating because you end up with good companies that have solid, solid uh, revenue streams and they just need to, you know, for them, they need to, obviously the, the amount of money going out in salaries is because they're building it as fast as they can. But there yeah. will come a point at which you've built most of it and you maybe don't need to be hiring all the developers, et cetera. And at that point, the money coming off the business would be quite good. But it's yeah. not good enough for VC funding. No, exactly. This is just insane, the whole thing, you know? So where does it, where does it, I didn't get to the end of the article, but what? Um... Um, the, the way it ends is that he goes back to look at it from a different perspective. Um, and he's also now teaching a course called The Minimalist Entrepreneur. Uh, okay. um, so he's there's at least two people who are in the school of design who are doing it Charles Burdett and James Morris who just joined the other day um, so they are both doing this course and that is costing I can't remember it's about a thousand dollars or something so they're spending money on that course on yeah, nice. entrepreneur course so um, but, but I think the way he's gone now is he's gone in this whole kind of like Here's everything in the open. Here's how much we're making, you know, and he's sharing everything. I mean, if you look, I'll just share my screen again. Um, we'll put this into the show notes that never appear. <laughs> Gumroad yeah. in April, right? So this is 2018. Um, GMV, is that gross monthly something? Um, 4.2 revenue, 273. Gross profit, 65. Let me know if you have any questions. You know, it's really refreshing that people are sharing this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seeking the non-binary. Uh, I thought this was a good line as well. And I put this in the School of Design this morning uh, as a quote from this article. For years, my only metric of success was building a billion-dollar company. Now I realize that was a terrible goal. It's completely arbitrary and doesn't accurately reflect impact. I just thought, like, you know, if you set yourself up with a goal like that, a billion-dollar company, it's like the opposite of a smart goal. But the thing is, he like then says, "Ludicrous goal." Yeah, he does say then, "I'm not, I'm not making an excuse or pretending that I didn't fail." It's like my word, like that, that's so ingrained in his head. 
Yeah. He, you know, he thinks that's a fail. He has to write that. And we're looking at it and thinking, this is unbelievable. And actually, if you go on and say, but I failed, but I also succeeded at many other things. Gumroad turned 10 million of investor capital into 178 million and counting for creators. Okay, so that's that's different. That's 10 million of investor capital VCs went into building it. And one seven eight million came out for all the creators who've used it, yeah. myself myself included. Yeah, I've I mean I've bought stuff for it, for off off creators. I, don't, I think I've done, I've not put anything on it. It's what's good about Gumroad is it's so easy. It's so easy to use. You know, you can have something set up within ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as long as you have a product that's ready to sell, like a book or a like a slide deck, for example, Jessica Hish's thing is like that. Um, okay. You can have that up and running and sold in a very small space of time. And even they, I think they have two tiers. They have a kind of like you pay a, a monthly or a yearly yeah. fee, and then the percentage goes down. Um, or yes, you you, that's pay, exactly it. You get. Yeah, um, you yeah, get unlimited just, stuff basically. If you go for the yeah. creator one, you get you can take off the Gumroad branding. You can do your own style sheet, use your own domain, do as many posts and workflows, and you but have like you HD. To, if you wanted to run your entire business through Gumroad, you could do it. It has a mailing list type thing in it, so that yeah. you can email your people who bought your products, um, and it's got like everything you need in one thing. Um, mm. And there are other tools that are trying to build that kind of thing like if you look at mailchimp one of the things that mailchimp is doing is it's starting to move away from being email newsletters to like the whole of the stack you know the website the email newsletters the offline marketing they're also doing postcards and things like that um, right. so you know we're now i think at the next phase of you know wix is not enough to just do uh, build a website they they need other things um, and Squarespace and Mailchimp are, I think, really starting to fight it out in that space. And Shopify is coming from a different perspective. Shopify is coming from a like we're a shop, but you could add a blog. Whereas Squarespace is coming from a like we're a website, but you could add a shop. And Mailchimp is coming from a we're um, an email newsletter company, but we're also starting to do other things. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's I mean, I, like, well, it's a bit like Dropbox. Remember Dropbox about a year or two back went from being amazing at what it was doing, which was basically really hardcore syncing of stuff and yeah. sharing, to it needs to be more because they want to IPO. Yeah, and they you went know, to so all the enterprise it, it, stuff. Yeah, so now it needs to be like, like Microsoft OneDrive. Word, or yeah, now it needs to be like Microsoft Word, so it's got Dropbox paper, and you know, and, and you're, you're looking Just at it and you're thinking, why are you doing all this stuff? Just do this one thing that you do really well. Yeah, and again, the problem is they, they've probably it's VC mega investors, yeah. Yeah, and more, that's what more, it is. More. And they can't, crazy. they can't grow it at that rate unless they do other things. You know, and yeah. once they start to do other things, the focus that was your mission critical thing, you know, that's no longer your focus. And then you start to get distracted. Well, there was a bit of worry, wasn't there, with one password for the same thing? Because they've, they, um, what have they done? They've they done something. Yeah, they did, but it's actually okay. People freaked out a bit, um, but they've basically been sort of building enterprise features, and they wrote a whole post about it. I wonder if I can just find it quick. One password, uh, investment. I know what we should add to the 
to the um so part one is rewind how's life been since the last episode yeah for one password takes a two listen to this one password takes 200 million dollars in series a funding so people freaked out obviously because they were like what the heck why is one password doing this who why does a password app need 200 million dollars <laughs> and why, why did they need that well, they basically said that what they're moving into is enterprise and so that like whole organizations can have all of their passwords secured and et cetera and some other stuff. And there was a really good post actually from the people who created one password talking about it. Um, I remember because yeah. people like freaked out um, and it was basically around the fact that they need investment in this area so they can grow in terms of the enterprise uh, space. So what does it say? Um See if I can find it. I got. I'm gonna. I'll pop. I will pop that link into the Notion because we could just. Post I like the their Notion illustrations. Stuff. Actually, that would be quite good for the session I'm doing for you on Friday. Um, I'm just gonna take a screenshot of this. Oh, the one uh, password stuff. Yeah, because one yeah. of the things that I'll talk about on Friday when we're talking about the content marketing and stuff is the importance of consistency of your style so that your illustrations are all one style or, you know, and if you look at the one password stuff, they've got this really nice kind of vector illustration and they all look like they fit together. You know, and if you look yeah. back at the articles I wrote for Smashing Magazine a few years ago on UX, I remade all my drawings in like red and white so that they were smashing colors. And then you could see, oh, those look like they were to do with smashing because they just had that kind of brand about them, you know? Yes. And that's the other thing one password said in their thing that they basically, they, they'd been growing the company slowly, like, and that was their thing. And they'd been turning down VC funding for ages and ages. But this other company came in, um, Accel, or I don't know how you pronounce it, A-C-C-E-L. And they're, apparently their experience is growing sustainable founder-led companies. Uh, and they basically would, with that money, they could then, ramp up the speed in terms of the sort of bigger industry enterprise stuff yeah which is i think that you know so it sounded okay i mean um but obviously some people got worried because they're like whoa what we you know what's one password going to turn into i'm going to launch like dropbox did i'm going to launch yeah. one password there could be all these extra features that no one wants you know and I, I i got rid of dropbox as soon as that all changed because i was just like this is doing my head in I no. kind of literally put my whole weight behind Dropbox since um, since meeting one of the guys at a build after party, and he gave me a terabyte of data for free. Um, <laughs> and so I just use, you know, for years I've just had my entire instead of a documents folder, I'm just using my Dropbox folder. And that's, oh, okay, yeah, saved, yeah. that's saved my bacon a few times. Like one time last year when I was on Propel, I you know I use uh, Launchbar, so I, I think you maybe use Alfred. Uh, yes, and, yeah, and I, I use Alfred, bar, yeah. and I type TS, and that's the school. And so I type TS, and like nothing happened. And I was like, "Whoa, where's that? why is that not working?" I thought launch bar's not working. And then I opened up my folder, and it was like I, I number my projects. So if I open up my Dropbox at the top, I've got zero is learning objects. So that's like all my all my keynotes and you know lumps of learning materials. Yeah. Uh, one is Mr. Murphy Limited, two is the School of Design, and then the rest is like four is my mental health blog, FSEK, and you know, and then everything's ordered, but there was no two, it was gone. And I was like, what? And I said, that, that, that can't be right. And then he literally was gone. <laughs> it was about, I can't remember, I'll tell you now, it was, um, it was uh, 58 gigs 
Wow. <laughs> 58 gigs of stuff. I must have just hit command delete by mistake <laughs> and it just went whoosh in the bin. Um, and you, Dropbox went through this phase of sort of like flagging up things and saying, you know, like, let's say you went to a folder that you've just put, you've tidied everything away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, I've got my digital, my dark art of pricing from. Oh, why is it frozen now? So this is where the this is where the Zoom recording doesn't work. Up and delete, and then Dropbox would say, "Ah, uh, right, oh, okay." That's all right. So Oops. yeah, anyway, you anyway, you were saying that you would yeah, delete, it and Dropbox would flag it for you. Dropbox say, oh, would say, you sure? "Are you sure you want to delete that, yeah. file, that file?" And I was like, oh, "You gotta be kidding me!" So I got just used to ignoring it. Well, obviously, it must have said something like, are you are you sure you want to delete 5,000 items that weigh 58 gigs? And I obviously didn't see it. No. And Power was like, don't worry, it'll work. You've plugged in your time machine, right? I was like, no, I haven't plugged <laughs> in a time machine for ages. Um, and because the, they allowed you to do the rollback stuff, I was able to yeah. restore it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got Backblaze. So You're that... using Backblaze, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that does everything in the background. And then I've got most of my files are on either iCloud Drive or OneDrive. There is a few that are on my desktop, which is obviously not. I don't sync desktop and documents to iCloud yeah. Drive because there was that was a bit weird. Um, is, don't... is Backblaze good? Yeah, I like it just works. And I've, I've, I have I haven't had to do many recovery things, but occasionally I've gone into there and it has okay. like I think it's similar like. So the difference between Dropbox and Backblaze really is that Dropbox is synchronized, whereas Backblaze is a backup. So it's got my files for 30 days, and you can pay for it to be even longer if you want. And it's backing up all the time whenever I make a new file. So it's not a synchronization. So if I accidentally delete something off my desktop, then it's still in Backblaze for 30 days, um, which is great. Uh, but I think what what did I have? Oh, this did I tell you about the that I had um, Microsoft Word like screwed me over like yeah. recently. Oh. Why? How did they do that? Because I hate like I don't tend to type stuff into Microsoft Word if I can help it. I tend to type it into like folding text or Ulysses or something else. It's just not yeah, a too. complicated app because Word is be- just overly yeah, complicated. Edit maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anything. Like, yeah, exactly. And so, but anyway, I had to do this external examiner's report. Uh, for uh, University of Greenwich, and so the form, as you will know, is in Word. Filled like, it in, yeah. Yeah, and so um, I obviously was like, oh, I've got to do this report. I've got to get it done, you know. So I was just like, open Word and just fill in the, you know, I've got my notes on my iPad that I just scribbled when I was yeah. talking to the students and staff. So I was like, I'm just going to write. I'm just going to got to get this in, you know. I'm going to spend like a couple of hours just writing the report into the right boxes. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just hyping away and I'm not, I mean, I'm, it's, I mean, people, well, if anyone listens to the show and follows anything that I do, they'll know that I'm not very good at writing. So I, it takes me a while to get things right. Anyway, I was typing away and thinking, well, I'll just go bang it out, edit it. I wrote something that I thought was really good. I thought it, it synthesized this thing really well. And I was like, brilliant, brilliant. And then I opened up the previous year's, report because there's a couple of ones where i just want to paste in the same piece of information no i'm just yeah. dreading what's going to happen here this sounds <laughs> so, a bit like that top thing in the car park where I came yeah home. so i just basically i i know i cop like copied some stuff in and i went to close it obviously 
And of course, it's the you know it's the same document. It says, "Do you want to save this?" I'm like, "No, I don't want to save it because that's last year's." Like, I was closing this year's. Oh no! So you closed the wrong one. So I closed the wrong one. So don't save. I'm like, oh, you idiot. So then I'm like, okay, it's fine. Well, I'm like thinking, no, it's fine because I've done this for other people. There's an auto recover thing. Like, okay, it wasn't on OneDrive, so OneDrive would have been saving automatically in the background from the get-go. So that was my first mistake. I've sort of realised if I'm going to work on Word documents, actually just put them in OneDrive. Uh, although it does make the fans go a bit nuts when it syncs occasionally. But anyway, because yeah. uh, that has the auto-save function. And again, obviously, the other thing is remember that most Mac apps do auto-save and do the versioning and stuff, but obviously yeah. Word only does it if you put it on OneDrive, whatever. But there is an auto-recovery thing that I turned on at some point. You know, I'd always turned it on. that It basically saves the your Word document every 10 minutes in the background and puts it into a weird folder that's hidden in users, whatever. So I'm like, oh, yeah. it's going to be all right i'll probably you know i'd be in the user's thing maybe i lost 10 minutes rather than two hours no like, i, can I went I'm gonna look on your face that this is not what happened <laughs> i went into that i went into that folder and there was like an auto save document for like three years ago so obviously at some point it had like corrupted so that word couldn't access that folder or whatever and so it's uh, although it was all ticked on so i was just like so i, I and yeah, and then I went and had a look, and there are some software that could dig through your machine, but of course that yeah, software. There's no point. There's no point. You know, the yeah. only person who can make that dig through your machine work is the FBI. That's about it. You know, yeah. they can get no. anything back. And also, it's like everything else you know, doesn't work. The know? other thing with but that software it, it was like two hundred quid. Yeah, yeah. It was some it was no. And the other thing with that software was like, oh, because it's now uh, like um, whenever they went, whenever they brought in sandboxing and stuff. You can't, you, know, you have to run some crazy script to like access yeah. the kernel or something. I was just like, I am not doing that. And also, yeah. um, of course, the issue there was that Backblaze didn't have a copy of that because I'd never saved it. So technically, that file never existed. It didn't exist. Yeah. Which See, is so this weird. is the kind of area we were going to with Untitled Folder. It was like the same. Yeah. It's like you know it what is so real annoying. and what is not real, right? But um, then I did. I know, deleted. I deleted that folder in the autosave thing, and and the um, Microsoft recreated it or whatever, and so it's it's now working. But I, my tip, my top tip in that instance, is if you are working on Word documents, maybe well, one, you should save the document straight away, yeah. uh, which is like I don't know why but I didn't I think do we, that. We've and all secondly, done that. On we've, all been, we've, all, we've all been working on a file for at least an hour and th- thought to ourselves. I probably should save this, but then we think, "Oh no, I'll just do it after I've just done this little task." Um, and then, I don't know what I you was know, doing. BB Edit, BB Edit does like, you know, oh yeah, same like Ulysses does the same thing. Yeah, and it's like literally like there's all. I mean, look at this; it's really interesting because like there's Garfield Weston, which was money that we were looking for. So yeah, so in 2012, going back to 2012. We wow. were looking at running yeah, workshops. Yeah, I don't even dare look at my Ulysses folders. But... This is pretty good, though. We were running workshops on Flickr, blogging with WordPress, podcasting, uh, animation, and storytelling. And we ran oh, the God. animation. The storytelling I ran in schools and the podcasting I introduced. And Paddy, you know Paddy Donnelly, the yeah. illustrator? Yeah, he did yeah. it. Oh, cool. And he did the Flickr one as well. I came in and said, hello, I'm Chris Murphy, and I'm the lecturer in interaction design or whatever it was. And I said, my master's student, Paddy, will be teaching you for the rest of the, you know, and be, be don't misbehave, children. And then I like left them to it, and we got money oh, for it. That's reminded me about my Flickr account. I wonder if it's still doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's supposed to, Flickr's supposed to back up all my photos. 
but really weird. There's the mm. original drafts of the craft of words from 2012. <laughs> cool, man. It's like, yeah, so you can really see the, you really see the, the development of the book and stuff. It's really interesting. And those are the days that I used to use dot text as a, a suffix. Oh. Um, .txt does the same as .md. Um, uh, I mean, okay. that, these go right back until May 20, 2012. Hmm. That is cool. Wow, what's this? Oh, this is an actual um, application form. But I just write them all in BB Edit and then copy and paste over. Yeah, yeah. That's normally what I do, to be honest. Although at the moment, my, I tell you what, at the moment... I'm been so busy. Like, if I open up Firefox, I've got like four windows, which I don't normally have. I normally have one. I think one of them has got like eleven hundred tabs in it, and that's only one of the four windows. That's like stressing me out. I've been so busy. And then if I open Folding Text, it's got I've got like so many documents that just like spring out as soon as I open it. I'm like, man, I need to shut these documents. It's like when I'm busy that I just dare not close anything because I worry that I need yeah, it. Yeah, that's you know? me too. Yeah, uh, look, I'm just putting this as my first blog post from 2012. I'm just going to put it in a BB Edit file. Um, and what I'll do, because given that we're having this conversation, is I'm going to save it as, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go save and call it just my type and add MD to the end of it and just save it to the desktop for now. So that brings us back to web. Um, yeah. Probably you know because like i'm in bb edit and i'm in a file and it's just text and um, one of the things i've been talking to people about in propel um is mostly more my cohort people for example ben who i do a lot of work with he's like wordpress blah 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 and i'm trying to get him to understand that actually you know using a system like you know t raw text files with yaml and a serverless tool, you know, a serverless yeah. system like Eleventy or or Kirby or something like that is much more sustainable over the long term because you won't have to dig into a database and find your stuff. It's all just text, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. one of the things that I've been writing about at the minute, which I will share my notion, hopefully I can get my notion, um, is I'm doing some. So this morning I was talking to a guy called Tom Greenwood. Um, so can you see these screenshots here? Yeah, yeah. So this is a page on Little Thunder's website, Fushy. Uh, um, and that's how much carbon that used, that page. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw so that. So 0.81 grams. And then this was not a good web page. It's like one with lots of pictures on it that haven't been very well compressed. So it's it's 1.4 grams of carbon. And this how one do you here get that? Just... How do you get that data then? How do you make, how do you... You get that data using the website carbon calculator, okay? Oh, cool. Which is a tool that is by Whole Grain Digital. I'm actually writing about this for the um, for the Little Thunder blog, um, and also for an article for Smashing Magazine. Yeah. And so Whole Grain Digital, who are based in Somerset House, which is like oh. where we were talking about that. That's so um, funny. So Little Thunder says we were, oh, you know, in. We were inspired by Tom Greenwood's work championing sustainability, and we're really looking forward to his book. When they announced the website Carbon Badge, we wanted to build it into footy so that we could encourage clients to drive sustainability up the agenda. And so you can see, um, you know, that there's these different pages use different amounts of, of carbon. And one of the things that Tim was saying, which I thought was really interesting, and I spoke to Tom Greenwood this morning, 
the guy behind the calculator. Um, Tim was saying, I believe in the very near future, environmental factors like the quality of CO2 used to serve a page will factor into search engine algorithms like Google's page page rank. Oh, that would be cool. Um, and I'm just trying to cover my websites. That's something I discussed with that guy this morning. Anyway, he's written a book for a book apart called, I believe it's called The Sustainable Web. Um, and I said, oh, how's your book coming along? And, you know, and he went, Da-da! and he literally just got it. Oh, wow. Wow. I said, oh, wow, that looks amazing. Anyway, that kind of brings me back to the, the small web, right? Um, one of the things this year, and I think lots of people are doing it, is people seem to be getting back into building their own websites again and, you know, and making a blog and doing a bit of writing. And have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, I was just seeing how much carbon uh, Node Noggin was using or whatever. Okay. <laughs> it says I use bog standard energy. I don't. Uh, how do I make it use green energy then? Oh, anyway, don't it says I'm like 68 percent cleaner than the rest of the web. A zero point five three grams of CO two is produced every so, time someone visits a web. Oh. So if you look at, um, the, if you go to the whole grain digital website or the carbon calculator thing, yeah. they have broken it all down and they say like, you know, if a thousand pages of this would be like, you know, two, two sheets. Oh yes, two sumo wrestlers or something. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting. And so when I was talking to Tom this morning, you know, I said to him, I actually think that this is an article on its own, the whole sustainable web type thing. You know, like we have a responsibility as responsible designers to you know, to, to use compression. I mean, in the past, we used to do that because we wanted things to be quicker and speedier and what have you. But actually, we should be doing it to try and reduce the amount of stuff that's being piped back and forth over the over the web. Um, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you can only really do that kind of thing if you're building your own site, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's say you're using Squarespace and you put that little thing onto your site and you've got like two grams of carbon and you're like, oh, this is terrible. There's not an awful lot you can do in that in that situation. No, and all the trackers and all the trackers and whatever they'll be firing off different connections to here, there, and everywhere. That's going to also add to that, isn't it? And presumably, that's partly what Aral is talking about with the small web. Yes. So today, I want to introduce you to a concept and a vision for the future of our species in the digital and network age that I've spoken about for a while, but never specifically written about the small web. So the big web has users, Megacorp server farm, and then you are on those pages. You're allowed to rent space on Megacorp servers in exchange for giving up your privacy, freedom of speech, and other rights. Whereas the small web is you, your server, and your site. So you own your own home. So essentially what he's talking about is just like sharecropping, homesteading, all that stuff that we have talked about many, many times. The small web is the single tenant web. That means that one server hosts one application that's just one person. Do not have a concept of users. When we refer to people, we call them people. I think it's yeah. fair to say that quite a lot of the big web megacorps would also call those people people as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah, he uses, sometimes... that, he uses that term as a provocation, doesn't he? Because he, yeah, yeah. he likes the idea of the users because of the, the, the drug connotations in that it's bad you know that they're being yeah. instantly abused which I, I i totally subscribe to as a term and you know not yeah I, but, you know yeah i mean I, then, like 
when I was cool. doing the work with Little Thunder for Electronic Arts, which is obviously a mega corp, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't refer to anybody as users um, because it just wouldn't be in my vocabulary. I would call everybody humans, actually. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. call them people, I'd say humans. Um, so, you know, there are some big mega corps who, who, who don't use those terms, but that yeah. still doesn't negate the other stuff that they're doing, right? No, no, exactly. Um, and I think that that example that we started off with, um, Sahil making Gumroad and, you know, b- building a tool that is designed to enable other people to make a living, hmm. which is something we should celebrate, right? But yeah. having to having to grow the company at such a fast rate uh, in order to get his next chunk of money from the VC companies, yeah. that he's encouraged probably to do bad things. Yes, well, this is... Um... What was the, what was I reading? What was I reading recently? Where's my phone? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's that Mike Montero's. Um, oh, yeah, you were telling me about it. Yeah. I was listening to it because I got the audio book eventually. Yeah, and he yeah, basically, sorry. he is, um, yeah, what is, oh, blimey, now I've got to find it, Audible. And it's him reading it, which is funny. I mean, ru- yeah, ruined by design. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen the book before, but the audio version is, is Mike reading it. And, um which is, is funny in itself. He swears a lot, obviously. Yeah, but he's basically saying that... It's good as an audiobook in that sense because it's What's kind it of... Called? It's, uh, ruined by Design. Uh, it came out a few years ago, but basically it's that cool. He's like, he talks about Uber and other companies making like doing these horrible choices and really uh, you know makes it quite clear and sort of says to designers, like, why are you doing these things? You know, this isn't for the good of anyone. Um, and talks about, and I think I haven't looked it up on GitHub yet, but he's got like an ethics code for designers. So he talks about the ethics code that, um, uh, you know, medical uh, doctors and whatever, you know, agree to the oath. This, uh, what's it called? Oh, yes, the Hippocratic Oath. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say Socrates' oath, but that's wrong. <laughs> <Similar>. yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the Hippocratic Oath. So he sort of says that designers should have the same thing. You know, like yeah. architects have stuff and whatever. And, and so he, yeah, like, I, and he's written one. About that before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he, yeah, it's on GitHub, I think, somewhere he says. I can't remember. Um, I was just looking there at the website, and it's like you can get it on cassette. I'm like, yeah. how cool is that? It's so cool. Um, but that's basically what he says. The... It's like you know, don't. I got it on Audible, so I, maybe it's an Audible thing. I got it from yeah. Evil Amazon. <laughs> yeah, that, what I was actually looking to see was there anywhere I could get it that wasn't Audible. Yeah, um, maybe. Right. <laughs> Why the fuck does it not have an index? Damn. Have you ever tried renumbering a fucking index? Yeah, there's loads of stuff in it. Index by the paperback. Um, there's loads of stuff where he sort of just says like I'm not going to talk you know he just kind of says forget it like it is quite funny <laughs> it's got a French Revolution commemorative starter pack this is insane <laughs> oh my word um, yeah I need to get I need to get the um, the audio one because it I bet good. you any money it'll be really funny um, he, yeah because he, it's because uh, it's really passionate obviously in that sense and he's just calling on designers to consider what they do and why you know, and he basically just says to he basically tells all the designers that work at Twitter that they should quit. He says to other people, he's like, "Don't quit your job. Like, you know, fight the man from the inside. Kind of change things when your boss asks you to do some jerky thing. Like, say no." And then he says for Twitter, he says, "All of you get out. Like, just quit." <laughs> oh, no, and he meet, and the thing is, he met he meets this um, the head of Twitter or whatever, and has you know has a conversation with him. And it's very, I mean, again, in terms of he's quite blunt. He almost feels a bit like um, 
a sort of it sounds it's a bit like a Michael Moore figure yeah, but in yeah, the design space, which is quite yeah. cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just the audio I, book's worth it. My feelings it? about that though are a little bit torn because um it's a bit like um do you remember em, do you do you know Emigra magazine? Do yeah. you did you ever hear of it? So Emigra did um First Things First Manifesto, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first things first manifesto was in, I believe it was the sixties. Um, I'll just quickly pull up a web page just so that we're right about this. So first, yeah, I'm just checking on Wikipedia. First, so manifesto. Oh God, there's so many things called first things first. So, so the first things first was ooh, originally in 1964, and then it was. Um, published again in 2000 by i magazine yeah okay um, and so the in 2000 and sorry in 1964 the signatories were ken garland uh 400 graphic designers and artists and tony ben um backed it as well hmm. right who's a famous politician for anyone who's who's listening who, who's not into british politics he's famous dead politician whose son hillary ben is now in parliament anyway the new version which was published by um oh i'm in the wrong browser sorry the new version which was published by emigram uh, uh, emigram magazine so here's i writing about it um, yeah. here are the people who signed it like jonathan barnbrook nick bell andrew blauvelt irma boom all of these people here Stephen Heller, who I interviewed for issue eight of Eight Faces, all of these people here have no problem getting work. Yeah. They are all very well known. They are all very famous. Most of them have uh, worked for the cultural sector for a long time. Um, and they've done their work with Nike when they were younger. And now they're in an age where they can do whatever they want because they know that they will get work, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. easy for those people to say, you know, we don't think you should be using your skills as designers to sell detergent, etc., which is what the first manifesto said. It's very difficult for normal people like you or me or any of our students to say, yeah, fuck that. I'm not working for Twitter. You know, if you said to any of our students or graduates, you know, you've got an opportunity to go and work in Twitter or Square or Facebook or somewhere. I know I'd have a very difficult time telling them not to do it. No, but I would ask them to. I would ask them to consider. I'd ask the, them to think about it. Yeah, yeah of consider the ethics of that company and whatever. But I know what you're saying. I think he. Um, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? In that sense, you know, I think. The, the thing is, I think what he's, uh, maybe Mike Montero is saying and other people maybe is that, you know, that if you're in that, he, he's saying that to those that are in that company. If you're in that company working for him, when you get asked to do some jerk thing that tracks someone or does this, say no. Yeah, he said, like the two things he sort of points out is like, uh, you know, say why am I doing this? So rather than how do I do it? Because like we know you can do anything pretty much these days. Why am I doing it? And then the second response he said is to have the, you know, have the, gall to say no i'm not doing that you know um and speak up against things when there's something that comes up and they, i mean i can't i mean i haven't listened to it for it was last week or not oh, i don't know when i was listening to it anyway it's been mad in it this pandemic but um anyway whenever i was listening to it, i've forgotten half the examples but he was talking about uber and twitter and just some of the shady stuff and he's like my I, word like i 100 agree 100 why would the agree. designers you know i can't i don't know how, 
why do they think that's okay? You know, I, I, think, I, suspect, I suspect most of them think it's not okay. Yeah, but uh, they do it. Why do they do it then? I think that we could probably take any industry and find flaws in the system. I think that if we think about um, education, universities, there are major issues with universities. Um, like if you look before Christmas, I think it was in, where was it? Was it Imperial College London? Um, Imperial College London. But some of it's flaws and some of it's making really unethical choices though. That's the that's what he I think he really says these are these companies are purposefully making unethical choices to generate revenue out of you know harvesting whatever information they can and it's damaging to to people, you know. Yeah. Okay, so this is the story I'm talking about. Um uh, yes, I'm happy. Graffiti mm. appears outside residence of Imperial College president after bullying claims. Okay. Did you not Is see it? this in December? No, no. So Alice Gast has issued an apology, although the university has declined to say what for. So they're not going to say what she apologized for, right? Okay. And I'm kind of like, look, this is this, the, you know, if in universities we cannot get someone, I mean, this lady was allegedly bullying people. And there's another member of her team who was the same, you know, and here it says unease has been growing among the students and the wider academic community after the university's authorities refused to publish the findings of an investigation into a dysfunctional culture and alleged bullying, which led to further accusations of a cover up, right? Allegations against Imperial's most senior staff were followed by a disciplinary process. Um, wow, whilst okay. the report of the content by Jane McNeil QC, so it was a Queen's Council who did this report, um, yeah. has not been made public. The disciplinary pan panel constituted by the University Council has decided that the dismissal of Imperial's president, Alice Gast, was not warranted. And there are a lot of people, or there were a lot of people in December saying, this is not right. Look at this. One of the whistleblowers who gave evidence to the investigation said members of staff were living in fear of Gast and Sanderson and felt let down by the university's governing council. It's uh, So my point is all institutions, even educational institutions that should hold themselves to very high standards, well, that, that's not happening there. It's, it's like this, this is an issue everywhere. Ethics is a massive issue. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, you're right, and I think maybe you know, and I would argue that's because the the neo -cap, neo liberal society we live in is is the yeah. core root of all these issues. But yeah, I think and we can only do small things. We can do yeah. small things like don't use Megacorp. Use learn this thing yourself, or you know, or if something is happening that you don't feel is right, then question that. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. No, it does get it, it, it does get difficult though for people when like there's an example when you might feel very strongly that what has happened is wrong and you really want to quit your job because you feel so strongly about it but you're also let's you say can't. 20 29 or 30 and your wife has just had a baby or your husband just had a baby um well he couldn't i suppose technically have had a baby but anyway um you know you've just had a baby and your mortgage has just gone up a little bit and you know there are many situations in which people's hands i think would be tied yeah yeah no i can I, yes i can i can understand that but i guess you just have to, i think what we 
I think you've got to be select. You've got to try and be as selective as possible, haven't you? Now, and I think we should call out these kind of things because we've, you know, the mess that lots of stuff is in is due to that. You know, the, the, there's people who have got uh, like like the Amazon, the Amazon thing recently, where Jeff Bezos or whatever his name is um, stepped down, didn't he, or or stepped up into whatever he's like you know whatever figure become, or something something yeah. like that and that but that was like literally that was on the, that all those announcements were on the same day that amazon got fined like billions of dollars by really? the u.s governments and whatever for antitrust things or something you know but they basically just they knew so they just launched you know so everyone was reading about you know he's like oh i'm gonna do some work where i help kids in africa or whatever the heck he's on about like and it's like yeah. but, but also during the pandemic you know he's made he was making like yeah, oh, he's made so much money. Yeah, he's made so much money. And and for me, I feel that I can't remember who I was talking to about this recently. But for me, it feels like we're getting to breaking point here. It's like, yeah. we, you know, we cannot go on like this, you know. And so if we think back to where we started this, we have a company whose chart of revenue was going like diagonally upwards yeah. in the right direction, but still was considered a failure, which to many people would, well, I would say not many people, I would say to 99% of people would not view that as a failure. They view yeah. it as a success. But we, our view of, of startup culture or tech culture has become so warped by a handful of people. Yeah, it's um, weird, isn't it? And how is, how is, you know, how are we going to undo this? Because I think we could probably argue that most of this has happened over the last sort of 10 or 20 years, you know? I mean, we obviously yeah, had the yeah. dot-com bubble, you know, whenever that was. When was the dot-com bubble? Uh, dot-com. 2004, five or something, is that right? It's got, well, maybe a bit earlier than that, maybe? No, it's the 90s, the late 90s, so it was 95. No, no. Uh, was it? Okay, all right. And yeah, yeah. ended in 2001. So, you know, we had the dot-com bubble, you know, 90s right and so yeah. we're talking about a lot of this activity has happened in the last 30 years and the last 30 years as well has seen massive in income inequality um you know and th these are all issues that we i suppose as designers we can draw attention to them um yeah we can, we can try not to add to the shit um but it yeah. you know it's it's worrying I mean, the I context that... of all of this is, is really quite depressing. There's a really yeah, yeah. good um, Amazon. Sorry, it's on Amazon. But, you know, and the, the, here's another frustrating thing. The only place for me to get that audiobook is through Audible. Audible. Oh, no. I know. I, I, you know, and so I'm going over to Audible and, and tell me, I'm, am I doing something wrong here? Because like I can get the Kindle edition. But if I want to get the Audible, I have to start a free trial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got an Audible subscription. Oh, uh, no way. I can buy it with one click for £16, oh, which yeah. is like an artificially high price, so that yeah. it will encourage me to join the Audible thing. Yes, which is zero. Like, it's a zero, zero everywhere. <laughs> That's dark is... patterns right there. Do you know what I mean? That is absolute dark patterns right there. I, <laughs> I mean, I think that one thing that we could do is we could talk about that. In fact, I should just go over to... Uh, Right. And also, I'm going to f try and find that YouTube that I sent to you that other that guy's talk. Um, that was really good. What was his name? I've got it in Firefox, but I dare not open it up with all my tabs. It'll probably set my computer on fire. <laughs> um, what I want to do? Oh, sorry. Oh, I probably posted it in the School of Design, didn't I? This is interesting listening for our. <laughs> 
Chris, um, Chris Mouse and around me going, where's that link? Where's that link? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my word. I'll close Good that and I'll open up this and I will... Oh, yeah, it was a great unbundling. That was the link I sent to you, wasn't it? And it was a talk yes, by, oh, damn, really Firefox good. has opened anyway. Yeah, it was really um, good. Um, well, when just... Firefox sorts itself out, I'll tell you who it's by. Uh, uh, and I put it on... Yeah, anything good I find, I have to, definitely have to put it on my blog, which I did, so that's good. It was by the guy... Is it Benedict Evans? Was that the guy giving the talk? Yeah, super smart. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, he was he did some interesting stuff about the sort of this kind of constant growth, which obviously George Monobot and others have written about. Monobot, you know, in terms, yeah. yeah, in terms of like that we can't have constant growth. Um, but the thing I thought was super interesting, and I made a note of it, and this is what I like wanted to think about was. Um, let me get it. Is. Yeah, basically, he talked about, and this is why I think you're right, Chris, that like, we need to start like unpacking this stuff and sorting some things out. And the big thing for me, and what I'm interested in, is the fact that we are moving into this, this phase where software becomes a systematically important part of society, and that's what he talks about. So we've had like 50 years of basically working out what is a computer, and now we're in, moving into the second 50 years, which is if software is a systematic systematically important part of society what does that mean like how so that for me was why we need to start to unpack some of these things and say to these companies it's not good enough to do the things you're doing because the software that you've created is systematically important to society and that shouldn't be run by shareholder uh, corporate um decisions okay, so here you know? whatever added can you see my screen where i've got here tried and tested teaching materials yeah yeah so this is the structure of the book, everything you need to know to confidently design beautiful user interfaces. Oh, um, nice. And I've stripped it, I've stripped it back a wee bit from what was in the uh, Adobe version. Um, okay. And also we're, we're actually using Figma as well. Um, but anyway, designing interfaces, building blocks, information architecture, that's all the kind of, you know, things on a screen. Uh, getting from A to B and animating interfaces is more about moving through interfaces. Uh, typography and layout is more like just sort of general primers on, on how to lay things out. Art direction and tying it all together is a sort of capstone project, you know, build something at the end that you can have in your portfolio. But I think that there needs to be an appendix or something on um, systems and society or something, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, I think it's a responsibility of yes. us as teachers to build this in so dark patterns could be a section an ethical design could be something too um that's really helped me uh Where the because it's really important to me that if i'm writing this book that it's not contributing to the mess yes if you're asking people to make more like things and that's what i mean again i'm because obviously i'm trying i'm writing up my phd um and I'm doing it on, I'm doing it on the open, you know, out in the open. So it's at thesis.adamproctor.co.uk. You can read it, and it's lots of typos and whatever. Um, but what I've stated in one of the, in the, what I'm calling at the moment the preface, it might be the introduction. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, I said I will discuss the considerations such interventions, digital toolmaker, um, digital toolmaker. Oh, blimey! Let's see the typo already. Let me just. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. Where, what's, where is it? What's the URL? Thesis.adamproctor.co.uk, but you probably won't find the sentence. Anyway, so I try and read the thing. I've already read that URL in my I'll, thing. I've looked at it. I'll read it. Yeah. So, okay, so okay, this is why I state. So, how could the way we convey, make, and represent the information generated and presented to this community of practice have a direct impact on what is created or made? Made, yeah. Um, I will argue that what is made is directly affected by the systems we use within this environment and demonstrate this through research, a series of interventions and experimentations that I've undertaken during 2016 through to 2021. I should probably say now. Uh, I will then discuss the considerations such interventions, digital uh, interventions, digital tool makers and those that use them must urgently consider in order to respect the augmentation of ourselves. And then I go on to quote Errol Bolkin, saying Errol Bolkin, renowned digital rights activist, says, once we understand that we extend ourselves with technology and that our technology and data lie within the boundaries of the self, then we must insist that the constitutional protections of the self that we have enshrined within the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and implemented within our myriad of national laws are extended to protect the cyborg self. I think I did write this slightly better somewhere else. But, yeah. um, no, 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 I agree with everything you've written there. It's on my screen. I'm looking at it just now because I looked for how could that... So that's the bit I'm trying to do is at the end of this, I'm going to say, oh, we did all these cool things and we found that students like responded and got to create really great ideas and that manifests itself through the use of these tools. But if we sure. build these tools those people are effectively extending themselves into the machine and if we don't consider that an extension of human rights then we've got an issue and so then if you start to add in dark patterns weirdness etc into your tools then you are effectively you're 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 standing against human the, the universal declaration of human rights which is yeah. like okay i mean no one's like Mark Zuckerberg's never going to read my PhD, and like I don't want him to, right? But <laughs> whatever, you know. But it's like I want to put yeah, that in there because I think it's important. Because if I'm going to say to this me, is what I did and blah blah blah, the, but yeah, I, and I want yeah, other yeah. people to make tools and do things, you have to say, well, actually, there's a there's an ex, there's a ethics consideration here. I 100 you know? percent agree. Um, I'm not sure if I would put this into dark patterns, the Kindle thing. Uh, no, but I saw the zero zeros everywhere though. But, That's but, what. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure I would put it into dark patterns, but I definitely think that there's, you know, at somewhere higher up the company, there's a conversation that's been had, which is like, I don't care how you do it, get more people into that Audible program, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, look, because it's bright that blue, means, that's means, like grey. Yeah, like that means take out. every price and like make it ludicrous, you know? Um, I mean, if you if you took this to extremes, this would be like, buy with one click, £160. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason that this book that costs... 749 should be like 16 pounds yeah yeah um, exactly you know uh i don't know i find it all a little bit depressing because this has all happened in the last 30 years um yeah but that's because people have been working stuff out and they that's the thing you know and when did sure. ads you know facebook's what 2002 2003 you know i think they were just like and people get seduced by making tons of money for whatever reason that is a problem that. there is have you seen this book here um, Capital by Thomas Piketty. No, I haven't actually. I uh, it's the book itself is like that thick, and it, it does not pass my rule for reading books, as in it's far too thick, and I'll never finish it. But there is a video version of it. Unfortunately, it's on Amazon. Um, but there is a video of Capital on Amazon. Century. Uh, if you are an Amazon Prime member, you can watch that video for free. 
Um, and yeah, and I think I don't know whether we talked about this in the pre-shows or whatever show, but we, I, me- I remember us talking about that thirty-three myths of the system, which is that uh, book by Darren yeah. Allen, which sort of deconstructs all this capitalist stuff quite yeah. substantially, which is really it's interesting. I know we talked about it before. Yeah, I'm looking Darren Allen, thirty-three myths of the system. There you go. Yeah, yeah, this was good. I think that what's concerning though is that the people, you know. This guy, George Monbiot in The Guardian, there's like a small number of people who are talking about this, but nowhere near enough. Um, but it take, I, think it's, I think it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like if we take something like the climate crisis, you know, I remember discussing that, crumbs out, um, like 20 years ago or whatever, you know, and, yeah. be like, and being on protests and whatever and stuff and worrying about it, you know. And it's taken until now for it to start to become a bit more mainstream in, in a positive way. So I'm guessing maybe like it just needs people to say, "Hey, this is this is nuts. We need to sort of sort it out." You know, the surveillance capitalism stuff. You know, Zaboff has written all about that now. Some other people are hearing about. It. People are talking about it now. Whether they care about it, I don't know. Like my like my app, Node Noggin, is going to be you know the the principle is private by default. It respects that you own the data. The system doesn't own the data. It's on your machine first, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It just uses a middle system to synchronize etc but you can take it away blah 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 um and that's because i think it should respect that but does anyone using it actually care that it respects that at this point probably not like they're like whatever like you know now that can be a usp in ten, terms of me saying yeah no well, I, I think you know. that they do care i think that they do care like we talked about this i don't think it was with was it with your students i can't remember i when i had the screen of t- tom uh, tim cook was that with your students when i talked oh about maybe yeah, I, yeah. I was talking about, you know, like Steve Jobs w- would get up on stage and he'd be like super like visionary and, you know, and probably I think a bit dodgy as well um, in regards to some of this stuff, right? It's probably. And <laughs> Tim Cook is very different as a person. And I think yeah. that there, I think that Apple's push behind privacy, et cetera, et cetera, yes. et cetera. You know, there was a whole thing yesterday or two days ago on uh, in the Stocks app that was like if Apple launched a crypto exchange, um, they could really clean up there because their privacy stuff would be, you know, oh, yeah. it, was, it was really interesting because it was looking I, at it from I, a privacy perspective. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's your crypto going? Mine doesn't seem to do anything. I don't understand. I don't know. Crypto's, what crypto's going up, but mine doesn't go up. I'm like, why does it yeah, go up? What did you buy? You bought something really <laughs> wacky. Well, um, I started off by doing a Google search, like what's the best crypto of 2021? That's the first <laughs> That's the first one I bought, and then I switched it to something else, which but seems to be going what, up. But tell you what, I mean, my, my, the worst thing is my fifty quid has disappeared. You know the fifty quid that no. I no, yeah, it's totally gone. I'm looking in here, Sterling. No, it is not there. You um, need to email them. They, they, you need to email them. I do need to email them because they transferred it from my bank. Yeah, they're um, legit. They're legit, but I don't understand. I know they had some like. My Bitcoin, I'm going to start taking screenshots of it, actually, because... That's what I was doing, just to try and get my head around it. where it is, uh, <laughs> but my 0.0... I'm going to try and sign on. Bitcoin is now worth £108. And I what? think when I put it in, it was about 60 or something. No way. How do you... Yeah, so did you look, are you looking on the Kraken app or something? Yeah, I am, yeah. Okay, I That's wonder if mine... That's why I know that my... Um, that's why I know my 50 quid's not been transferred okay, because it would appear in the top here. Yeah, look, my top. thing, look at this, right, Chris? Look, there's an arrow, look at that line. It's going up, yeah. like, big time, right? So I should be absolutely loaded. Which one right? did you go to? 
I got one. What did I get? I can't oh. remember. It's got some weird name. Hang on. Uh, how do I? Oh, this app is impossible to use. Flow. No, it's called Melon. No, Dogecoin was the one that Doug got. Like he he got yeah. a so he got like a mattress. Did out you of not that. buy Tezos? Tezos. That's what I bought to begin with. Oh well, so tanked. you traded them in. It was yeah. Tezos zero. It's currently worth. Oh, no, zero. I know exactly. That's what I got out of that. I was I was like on it like a stock market guru. <laughs> what did you What did you go for then? I'm trying to find it. What the heck? You'll see it right on your on your list. Yeah. yeah. You'll see it because everything else will be zero 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 oh, zero. Oh, card. That's the one. Cardano. Okay. Does it begin with a K? No. C A R card. Sorry, card is in C A R D A N. Cardano. Look, it's all green. It's all green. Well, mine's not. It's not loading up for me. So. If I, I click on that and say there. euros. Look, it's going up. No, look the graph. Look at the graph. <laughs> Look at the graph. It like it's, really, how really do I find it? Much... Absolutely no idea what's going on here. Balances. Markets. markets. Oh, no, I have made money. I'm oh, like up. I'm up to like, <laughs> I've got like putting £45 or something. I've got £83. How much is pounds. It worth now? £83.80. Pounds 80. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually doing it. Do you, um, have the middle, do you have the middle tier, which is the one that lets you... Um, yeah, I I, I've, what I've heard is that getting the money out. I have no idea. Is, I've heard that getting the money out is harder than the money in. Um, that's that's. I bet, word. yeah. It's like a, that, that's I, held me back. Someone I, I said that HSBC apparently like doesn't like won't even let you put the money in. So if you've got a HSBC, yeah, bank, I, I, I mean, I don't obviously, but um, oh, I can't believe it's actually gone up. But yes. Bitcoin is now sitting at like in terms of pounds, it's sitting at like thirty-two grand. Whenever I put in, it was like. 26 or something or amazing you know. i do i right. want to buy some more um oh, i'm not buying anymore i'm just going to get nervous because i'll take it out and it'll go up to four billion pounds or something that's what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> oh no word three months it's not like savings is it i can't trust it so i'm not going to put stuff in it i just wanted to have some to say i've got bitcoin and now i can talk about how i made how I, you know, made a deal well, you could already say that you sold out of tezos and you need <laughs> <laughs> I know. The card, whatever you call it. Good job um, I did, though. Look at that choose, Why did you choose Cardo or Cardum or whatever it's called? Um, I did you, had you heard about it? or there was Yeah, I basically did some searches, like what's happening good. And then some, you know, so obviously then Tezos, someone was saying this would be a good one. And I did that and I was like, this is like tanking. Everything else is going up. <laughs> I was like, so what a load of whatever Google search that was didn't help. And so then I did another <laughs> search around. And I think I just, I can't remember what I put, but maybe it sounded interesting. It was something to do with... Um, and you don't think you should put some into Bitcoin, actually Bitcoin? No, that's too expensive, isn't it? Like I'd have like like a no, tiny no, but, bit of a Bitcoin. I know, but well, that's what I have. I mean, I've got like 0. 0.033 or something um, of, of Bitcoin. So. Yeah, Bitcoin's going down. Bitcoin on mine's red. Look at that. See, Ethereum red, Cardano, whatever it is, going up. <laughs> Oh my word! I, I do need to find out what happened to my fifty quid because it's yeah. They totally... will give you that back. They will give you that back. I'm um, not putting any more. Don't tell me to put more in. I ain't got that kind of money. Fifty no, quid in there is fine. I said I put in fifty quid for Caitlin, my daughter, and fifty quid for Ross. Yeah. Um, and did you hear he did really well on GameStop? Oh, is that that was the one? That's I think my that, that was the share thing. as well. Yeah. yeah. 
he bought GameStop at, or is it GameStop or it was GameStop? Yeah, GameStop. He, yeah, yeah. I, he I bought it. At, he bought it at sixty-five, and he sold it at three hundred and fifty or something. Nice. He made enough, and he only bought three point six shares, which to me was peculiar because, you know, using my shares app, which is where my pension is, you can only buy one share. You know, so it will say, you know, you got, let's say Apple, right? And Apple is, let's say, a hundred pounds. It'll say you got ninety-eight pounds. It'll say, sorry, you can't buy Apple because you don't have enough. With with um, the apps that Ross is using, it's called something like Market Two One Two or uh, Robinhood or all of these kinds of apps. You can just buy a percentage of the stock. So he mm-hmm. had three point six shares, which to me is like, how can you have point six of a share? You know, like that's mm. really weird. Anyway, he had three point six shares, so he sold at three fifty or something, and his car died about four or five days ago just totally died oh. which we had given to him because it was our second car and you know we, we, when we came time to replace it we just said let you take it yeah. um, and so he got enough money on his trading that he bought himself a new car nice not like a new car because no, it was no, only no. a grand but you know like a you know secondhand car off a friend yeah um, cool so, you know he, he made some money my friend That's ben funny. bought bought <laughs> gamestop at like 370 or something and sold it lost 30 quid so. oh no <laughs> but i don't know adam have you seen some of the people in the wall street bets on reddit no. it's really terrible there's some people there are like what, what do i do i've you know i've invested 30 grand oh, and no. they, they have invested 30 grand at the valuation when it was at the top and i'm like yeah. oh no way these people don't know what they're doing and they've taken a massive gamble based on what they've seen on the internet on and they've lost, they've lost yeah, i know and they've lost their money like, oh, yeah that's why I li- that's why i literally did a google search and put 50 quid because i'm like if it tanks like that's a playstation game i've lost i'll be annoyed because i'll be like oh, i should have bought that playstation game but <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it's not going to kill the bank oh, no and also so my wife won't tell me off <laughs> so what are you doing it's like <laughs> buying magic know, beans isn't it does sam know you've bought magic beans no, I don't think so. Oh no she way! Even, if she listens she to this podcast, she'll know. That's true. She wouldn't. She won't, I don't. Well, she wouldn't even understand if I said Bitcoin. She yeah, she would literally think I bought magic beans. So that would be. It. <laughs> I think Kara's very, very. I think Kara does not think it's a good idea. You know, I think she sort of. She she always says like, I don't know any of this stuff. It's your area. You just take care of it. But I think if I come and say, oh, the Apple shares are doing well, or you know, or we got a good mm-hmm. dividend, or we got three hundred quid, or whatever, I think she knows enough to know that you know that that's right. It's not a complete disaster. Whereas when I start talking about Bitcoin and stuff, she gets a bit concerned because I I think she thinks I've uh, got Asperger's as well because like I go into research mode and Ross, our son, is the same. So like I watched about five Bitcoin dvds or not dvds like on amazon and stuff uh, and she's like stop watching these bitcoin videos <laughs> i mean i didn't even watch the videos after you said last time i was just like oh, i'm just going to figure it out and so yeah i messaged uh, you said, should how are you watch getting that... bitcoin yeah i you do want to watch that crypto one. you should watch the cryptopia one though because cryptopia. it's got some really good <laughs> it's got some really good stuff about the future of the internet and the web and stuff and i think you find it interesting i'm gonna make a new one called crypt cryptopolis <laughs> You, you, you could get your students to watch it you could do like a, a group watch or something like that you know i'm not i'm not encouraging them to buy bitcoin that's a terrible idea no 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 i wasn't <laughs> suggesting that in the in the slightest and i definitely will not oh, I, I definitely will not be mentioning that on friday <laughs> oh, i think you could get yourself in some serious trouble oh definitely um, definitely that is but, so good yeah 
we must surely be at the hour we definitely are i think yes we've done way over like i'm taking some screenshots of um, i pasted some stuff into that notion so maybe i can use that as the temp and i'll just upload the zoom audio there's a bit of a break when you broke up once but i think it's completely understandable anyway so i'll be fine keep it low fi isn't it yeah what did we miss anything push back against vc and capitalism uh we talked about that this was the other thing i was going to say which was like little thunder a tiny studio giant reach i think there are cases where small studios are doing work for big big companies and they have an opportunity i'm not saying anything about little thunder but those small companies have an opportunity to come in as humans you know because they're much smaller companies to say i don't think that's a good idea i think we should do this i think the problem happens when you get megacorp and megacorp working together it's like the mega the more mega your megacorp becomes the the easier it is to forget where you came from and your ethics and you know all of yeah. that kind of stuff um yeah and we've seen the rise of all that b corporation stuff which is all really good so that you can get yourself uh, certified and all that stuff so that's all good stuff isn't yeah. it yeah i think, us, I think I, us two are b corporation and a number of design companies are trying to do that i know that wimbledon I, are trying I'm, to do that and yeah, I'm trying to think about trying to do the B Corp thing for oh, the School great. of Design. Um, I, I, that article, the second one that you pasted, um, Rediscovering the Small Web, was one I t- tweeted or posted about yeah, in yeah. the School of Design before. Um, so there was lots of good stuff in there. Um, I just think for me, I, I don't know if the last thing I will say, if I happen to have it open in any of my windows... I just find that article, my failure to build a billion dollar company is a bit sad because it's focused it on the negative and not focused on the, on the positive. Yeah. He does. Yes. I think and, there is loads of positives in there, but he doesn't seem to talk about it that way, which is a shame. But don't know. So, maybe, maybe he's, I don't know. Maybe he's happy, but he just doesn't write happy. Somewhere I have, I'm just trying to go in, into my, um, into my DMS, uh, on the evil Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Um, so, Andy, uh, you know Andy Bell? Yeah. He gave me, uh, he was really nice. I love Andy. He's such a nice guy. Um, I said, look, I'm building the um, the School of Design site at the minute with Al. Mm. Um, and one of my goals is to, you know, obviously, like I showed your students on Monday and Tuesday, uh, that I'd written a book on HTML and CSS, but it feels like that was a totally different era, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I knew that we were using Eleventy for the, for the school of design because Al told me, and I knew that, um, Andy had written a course on learning Eleventy. Oh Spanish. yeah. Cool. Um, and I think oh, I'm right. on to, yeah, I'm on front matter basics at the minute. Um, so I'm on lesson four. So I'm just sort of chipping away at it every day and learning a little bit at a time. Yeah, and it's really just, it's really interesting. I just rejoined um, oh, was it View Mastery because for all the View three stuff. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, sort of chipping away yeah, at that as well, but kind of enjoying this. Like it's got a whole section on, for example, when it said front matter basics, I was like, you know, because if, if I show you my um, files for the School of Design, they've got lots of YAML in them. Yes. And I thought, well, there's probably nothing I need to learn here. But I did not know that you could put something in your front matter and nest things like that. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of interesting stuff, you know. Um, so I learned quite a lot of things. And Andy's got a really good style of, of writing, you know. And the other thing he's done that's genius, it's 
sort of not genius, but also genius at the same time, right? So at the bottom of every lesson, it says, help, my version of this lesson's not working, right? So like you couldn't get something to work here, right? Maybe you made a mistake or you made a typo or something. What he does is he gives you the files as they should be at that point. Yeah, Zoomaster does a similar thing. So that you can download them, replace your folder and move on to the next lesson. which is a really good idea because if you had broken something you wouldn't be able to progress on because you're building a site as you go um i thought that was no i thought that was on the one hand it was really smart but on the other hand it's like it does mean that you could you could skip not address problems you know you could be kind of like oh i don't understand that so i'll just move on uh, yeah, which, there's a couple of bits of view which, like that where I get a bit lost, and I'm like, oh, you know. Yeah. And there's, I'm, it's tempt. I think that they, their files, if you if you run a GitHub, or whatever, you can do underscore start or underscore end, and it gives you the beginning or the end of the project. And I'm like, right. maybe I should do get the end on. But of course, yes. Then I'm. Yeah, I just kind of, I felt that like that was a little bit like cheating, but yeah, I'm, I'm just working my way through it, and it's good fun because um, I have this idea, um, which I will share here. And it's been really sparked by um, what we're talking about today with the small web um, is share screen. I've got domain at everything.mrmurphy.com, which is like everything. It's like, oh, right. you know, Falt, MCMXC, the standard Easter's monographic, FSCK, my ghost blog, like every single website that I've ever had a blog on, which goes cool. back to look the 90s. Uh, in there with 1024 so you know i just need to go and find all of that stuff and this is where i started with the with the um talking to ben about you know if it's just a text file right you know if i share my screen and share my desktop you know so like here is a text file and i don't know where that was from that what website this was from but it won't be that difficult to turn that into to to add some YAML to that. Yes. You know, I could just uh, run find replace that looks for this and whatever. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So my thought was like, if I could get all my old blog posts and I could build one mother load website that has everything I've ever written. It's kind of summer. Cool. It's a kind of summer project type thing, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, Yes, I mean, I'm sort of throwing stuff at microblog now just because Ulysses has got that, well, the alpha's got that functionality, which is great. So um, that is, yeah, it's quite useful. Just, But I did, I obviously experimented at various times with like just text files and Go Lang blogs and things. But I end up, the, the issue I always end up with um, was that, I, you know, it was difficult. The workflow was just not quite, not so easy or I couldn't do it on my phone or whatever. So, yeah. I think the micro.blog has sorted me out for that, actually. And maybe I can move some stuff off WordPress. I think the problem with my system here is I can't do that because there's a build process for the website. Um, you know, everything yes. goes into GitHub. That then goes on to GitHub's repo. And then Netlify does some kind of cron-type job and, and yeah. says, oh, look, something's changed. Let's rebuild the website. Um, and you can't really do that when you're out and about. Maybe there is a tool you could... Uh, you could work on your repos. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely there's Git. There's um, working copy is a really good like GitHub app. Okay, so you could phone. you could work on the go. Yeah, yeah, you could probably just open up your thing in working copy, and you could then commit to the repo. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that would be awesome. 
Okay. Yeah, I think I don't. I mean, there might be other. What that's the one I hear lots of people talking about. Whenever there's been a couple of things where people have been trying to do stuff, maybe with Obsidian or whatever, before they brought in the sync, people were talking about using Git and working copy on their phones and things. So give that a go. Give that a go. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm cool, going to stop. Um, I'm doing a tutorial in 20 minutes with, with my right. uh, with my one of my longest standing um, school of designers, Tyler Nishida from Hawaii. Nice. Um, that's so cool that we're teaching people in Hawaii, and you know, it's really good fun. Very and cool, yesterday, man. I was talking to someone in South Africa, and I'm like, "This is amazing. You know, the cool. web is an incredible thing." You know. Yes. Um, so, let's focus on that positive note to end. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking. All right. Let's, let's okay. stop, stop there. Yeah. Stop. 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 Yeah.